This is Framework Leadership. I'm Ken Engel, and you're listening to Framework Leadership, a podcast about how to bring your personal life and organization to the next level. Well, today I'm privileged to sit down with Nadine Raphael. Nadine grew up in Brooklyn, New York during the 80s. She became a gang member at the age of 14. At 21, she was sentenced to almost six years of prison. I can tell you that while in prison, Nadine radically had her life changed. She started a prison newsletter for mothers behind bars, became a Bible teacher for several hundred inmates. In fact, God has transformed Nadine's life in a a pretty spectacular way and is now using her to impact the lives of others globally. And today, Nadine serves as Chief Operations Officer for Christian Life Center Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the podcast, Nadine. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, let's just jump right into your background. Um, tell us a little bit uh, about your childhood and and teen years and, and you know joining a gang at the age of 14. What was it like growing up in Brooklyn? Um, Brooklyn was pretty, um, you had to grow up really fast. Um, it was a fast-paced lifestyle. Um, what made it even difficult for me is that I was growing up in a very abusive home. Mm. Uh, my mother um, abused me, and we have a great relationship today. Um, this is just for context. My mother abused me because my father left her when she was pregnant with me, and so she blamed me mm. for him walking away. And so from six years old on, I experienced grave abuse at her hands. And then um, I went through some um, sexual abuse um, at 12 years old, which plunged me just looking for acceptance, looking for belonging, a place to belong because it wasn't at home. And that's how I found myself in gangs, um, where I felt that they were they were understanding and they made room for me. Um, but, you know, that life is tumultuous. And so um, the things that I saw, the things that not necessarily that I did, but I was around scarred me for a very long time. And then I met a guy who said that uh, he would take care of me and, and give me the world and promise security that I was looking for in a father. And um, only to find out, I left college and moved in with him in Virginia, only to find out that he was um, psychotic mm. um, and locked us in the home and um, couldn't leave the home wow. and uh, experienced abuse there. And then one day, one, one day I received a knock from the federal FBI agents um, with SWAT gear. Um, on our door. And um, as painful as that was, that was my freedom because that's where I got into prison and it's in prison where I met Jesus Christ as Lord. Transformation took place. What was that like? How did that, I mean, how did that happen? Uh, There was a deputy. You know, we talk about vocation. Um, I'm in seminary and so that's one of the classes that we've done. And um, vocation is wherever God uses you, sure. whatever God, whatever you have that God desires to use in any space, right? And this woman saw that space, that prison cell as her vocation unto the Lord. And so every day she would tell me about Jesus. I didn't grow up knowing about Jesus. It's the first time I'm hearing the depths of who Jesus, this Jesus is. But I'll be honest with you, Dr. Engel, I, I didn't want anything to do with him because if he was real, then why did he allow what, what, yeah, what happened sure. in my life? Um, but she, she, nonetheless, every day she was on duty, she would come by my cell, 232, to tell me that Jesus loved me, that he had a plan for me, and that one day he was going to use my life. Wow. And for one year, this woman kept at it until one day, in the 3 o'clock in the morning, in my cell, Jesus came and met me. And on a concrete floor next to a green slab bed, I knelt down and gave my life to Jesus Christ and changed the trajectory of my life. So I often tell people prison didn't happen to me. It happened for me. 
Wow. Absolutely. And and do you, that, Ms. Jackson, yes. right? Do you still do you stay in I've touch? I've tried. I've oh. tried. You know, I've written a book, and she's in the book, and I've tried to contact her just to thank her, but I wasn't able to. Two weeks after I gave my life to the Lord, she was removed from the prison and transferred to another prison. Wow. And I was so desperate, like, who's going to teach me the scriptures? Sure, you know? sure. And she says, you have that Bible in your hand, darling. That's all the teaching that you need. And uh, she said, I've completed my work here. Wow. And they moved her to another prison. God had her there for an appointed oh, time. Oh, yes, he did. Wow. Yes, he did. That's an incredible story. Fast forward now, you serve as the uh, Chief Operations Officer for Christian Life Center. And now you travel and you speak. My goodness, you poured into our students at SEU Conference in yeah. a powerful way today. Yeah. How, how do you... How do you balance your life with, with how God is using you yeah. uh, in, in so many ways? That's a question that I'm often asked a lot, and I'll be honest with you on that. It's intentional. And so um, God is a priority for me, and I'm not just saying that. He took me out of so much, I can't have him as a second fiddle for my life. And so he's a priority for my life. So he is more than the—and I've moved since a chief operating officer. I'm now the executive pastor okay. at the church. And um, um, But I've not allowed the titles and the positions to be the, come the forefront. It is not the thing. He is, and he qualified me to do this thing that I'm doing at this season of my life. But secondly, I have a great husband. You know, that is really, um, he was my high school sweetheart that God um, reconnected us after I gave my life to the Lord, um, came out of prison. But he's really have been such a support to my life and to my family. We have three children. Well, I have a 27-year-old. She's not a child anymore, <laughs> 15 and 14. But um, if he wasn't the man of God um, and secure in who he is as a man of God, because he's a backburner, he's a quiet kind of guy, he's a businessman, and let me, allow me, give me that space to flap my wings and fly. If he wasn't that kind of a husband, I do not think that I would be able to do what I'm doing with success. And then I've had some great people, Max Yuri being one of them. Oh, absolutely. He was a father. He still is a father to me. I, I you know, he gave me a chance um, when I first got to CLC and believed in me. Um, and then Tom Manning and Candy Manning that came into my life to support what they saw, the anointing that. So I've had some great people around my life that creates an atmosphere where I can balance, where job or the work is not the idol. Right. Um, God stays the focus point, and everything I get to do is just a benefit, yeah. you know, as for serving God. But making Him a priority, I would say, that's how I keep that balance there. Yeah, that's a great framework. You, I want to ask you, you wrote a, a memoir called But God, and, and in the book you talk about, you know, all of life's obstacles, how to overcome them. What is your advice to someone who's, you know, who feels like right now they've been dealt an unfair hand? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think this line is in the book. It says, you don't have to become where you came from. One of the things that I help people to realize is that the past um, pain and difficulty is a platform for Jesus Christ to step into and use. It's not a shame. It's not um, guilt. It's not to condemn us. The Lord invites us. He invites himself into those areas if we allow him, but he comes to redeem those areas. It's not an identifier of us either. Um, it's a past journey that he redeems sure. and that he wants to use for his glory. And so if people can realize that I don't have to be what they did, I don't have to become what they said, and I don't have to become what happened to me. I am who he says that I am, and I live in that space, that space that he gives me the identity, not what I've gone through. That's the really the crux of the matter, is helping to see, help people to see that Jesus Christ is the, um, he's the redeemer, so everything that I've gone through is worthy of redemption.
That's so good. Oh yeah. Hey, I want to I want to move into into leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're an amazing leader, and now you're executive pastor. Uh, you work with a wonderful team of leaders at Christian Life. Uh, how 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 do you describe the way you do team leadership? How how does that <laughs> make it work and make it function <laughs> with health? Uh-huh. Okay, so I'm a D personality. Okay, and so they call me get her done type type <laughs> of personality. I'm very driven, and so our environment at CLC is a very driven environment. is a very passionate environment. We do have tables, so we have meetings. It's not just one or two people. It's a collaborative team. We have over 32 nations that's represented in our church body. And so we have lots of department, lots of pastors, and lots of leaders. So what we need, what we have is a team of collaboration. It's an environment of collaboration where your voice is just as valuable as the other person's voice. Leaving room for everyone, for God to speak through everyone. I believe that God speaks in community. And it's not just an individual person that it drives through that person. One person has to make in the the end result, the final decision. But how we get to the final decision is hearing from everyone at that table. So we're a collaborative environment. What is what is one key to building collaboration on a diverse team? Um, um, I would say um, a space where it's not condemning. So Uh if someone gives an idea that it's like, wait a minute, that's far-fetched, uh, make, leaving room that every idea is worth listening, listening to. to. Sure. It may not go forth in this season, but let's table that because we may be able to pick it up in another season. So creating a safe place where people can throw out creative ideas and people can throw out um, a passion of theirs that they may sense that God is speaking or downloading it to them. Creating that space where everyone's voice feels invited and no one's voice is condemned, even if it's not agreed with in that moment. Yeah, that's yeah. You have three kids, as you yeah. mentioned, and 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 of course you mentor many young leaders. Uh, many of our listeners are just starting out in in their careers, in their calling, and in, in what God has for them. What's what's one piece of leadership advice that you'd like to give young leaders? Never think of yourself too big to serve. Wow. Um, over my life, Doctor Kendall, uh, just being honest with you. Um, God has placed me in spaces where it was probably menial, um, considered too small in some eyes, but he was testing my faithfulness. Mm. He was testing my faithfulness in those seasons. And if I had to move a chair, I moved a chair. I was in the business office as the administrator and I was on the floor putting down tape on a carpet because we had a conference. And I enjoyed doing that, getting the, the house of God ready for people to come in and experience God. So never think of yourself too big to serve others. Jesus, I believe, modeled that well by putting on a towel right. to wash the feet of his disciples. And we ought to do the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, uh, as, and God sees the big picture. And he puts us through seasons of growth and, and development. So as you're describing this, I'm thinking, you know, it's it's a lot about humility and endurance. Endurance is, is a major key to success. So what are a few tips that have helped you to go the distance? Remembering the why. Ah. Remembering the why. Why God called me to it. Mm. Um, God called me to um, just that I was in prison in this, as a captive. Now he calls me to liberate the captives. And so when the seasons get tough, and they do, um, there are some seasons that it feels overwhelming. But I remember, Nadine, this is the why that you're called to this, is to see that that single mother over there, 
free, that young person over there hooked on pornography, is to see them free, is to see that drug addict over there, is to see them free. That's why I keep going. But you have to remember the why. And you have to know the why, why? too. Right. You have to hear the voice of God, the one calling to us and giving us those, um, those appointments in life, those divine assignments in life. And for that, to, in order to get to that place, you have to have an ear that's open to the voice of God. And then when he gives us those assignments, again, embrace them. Yeah. And don't think that you're, they're too small for you. Yeah, that's good. In a recent Instagram post, uh, you wrote, uh, your comfort zone will kill you. <laughs> How do you step out and, and trust God uh, in the midst of fear? Oh, gosh. Sometimes, then I'll be honest, you step out with fear. Mm. You step out with knees trembling and the hearts palpitating fast. Um, and when you do, I realize that on the other side of my fear is destiny awaiting me. On the other side of my fear is purpose awaiting me. So I can't tell the listener that you have to wait for fear to subside in order to step out. Step out feeling the fear. The comfort zone will kill you because it's all you ever know. But God calls us into something that um, that's new, yeah. that's different. He told the children of Israel, you haven't been this way before. Keep your eyes on me because you have not been this way before. If we keep our eyes on him, he takes us to where we've never been before. And what's that? To the more. There's always more. It's never where I'm at. This is not the full table. This is not the full meal. Just when I get comfortable with this meal, he says, that's too small, Nadine. Yeah. I have another set yep. available to you. You, uh, you recently in a sermon uh, talked about being in church but not being connected to the body. So, so talk about uh, the importance of connection, how it actually impacts relationship with God. You know, they say that people may come to church for a sermon um, or a worship, the worship style, but they stay because of relationships. And so um, we are not called to an individual lifestyle. We're called to community. And so that is the model of Jesus Christ. While he ministered to the crowd, he did life with the 12. And so he modeled that for us. And so it's important for us to have that communal connection because iron sharpens iron. I grow even in tension. And so if someone says, well, the church has imperfect people, well, praise God for that because you're one of them. You're an imperfect person as well. But through our imperfect imperfections, God sharpens us. He develops us. He um, 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 loosens that attitude, that prideful ways is, is through our, our, our relationships right. with one another. And so it's so important that people get connected. How do people get connected? I think one of the ways is serving getting involved in ministry, um, serving along some, someone, your brother or your sister, and then you start talking, having those side conversation. Then next week you can say, hey, how's Johnny doing? Remember we prayed for him, your son. Or how's that job interview going? And now they remember that. That stays with them because you cared enough to remember my life. And those are the relationships that are formed on the sidelines of serving in ministry. That is one of the biggest ways we get con people connected to the body. When they come and sit on the chair in the pew and just hear a sermon and walk out the doors, again, they are coming to church, but they're not being the church. They're not, they're not part of the body. When we start serving and start building those relationships, to me, that is the body of Christ coming together. Yeah. One final question before we move into our lightning round of three questions here. Um, you know, you started your ministry in prison and affected 
so many lives through your willingness to let God use you. Uh, in your opinion, what's the best way to show people the love of God in our everyday lives? Oh, wow. Be vulnerable. Be okay with sharing with them your mistakes. I think old Christianity from many years ago, we presented um, a perfect Christian, you know, a life without mistakes. Um, we hid that from the masses. But I think if we are vulnerable with people and and and, and share the our imperfections, um, we don't have to air our dirty laundry. But when it's pertinent, we can share the fact that I made a mistake, but God redeemed it. I made a mistake, but God still loves me. I made a mistake, but God still wants to use me. I think it makes people more comfortable with being themselves and comfortable in desiring that what God did in you, He can also do for me. And then they want to do life with you because you're not condemning and you're not judgmental. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Three fire round questions I always ask every guest on the, on the podcast. Okay. And, and, and the first one is simply you have a day when your calendar's cleared. You've been mandated by your church staff. It's, it has to be a perfect day. What does a perfect day look like for you? Um, reading, staying, honestly, staying at home and reading. You're talking about not working, right? Right. So I'm staying at home. I'm out on my patio. I'm looking over the, um, the grass. My dogs are out there with me and I have a good book in my hand. That's a perfect day for me. Second question. What historical leader, living or dead, would you most like to have a cup of coffee with? A.W. Tozer. Uh, <laughs> Any day of wow, the week. That'd be a great conversation. Oh, yes. I love his energy. I love his fire. I love his fight. I love his audaciousness when it comes to God. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Final question. What's your mm -hmm. next big dream you'd like to accomplish? <sighs> a big dream that I would like to accomplish. I would like to hold a conference in a prison. Just go into uh, a prison and hold a conference. I've been to islands. I've been to different um, um, continents. I've spoken to Syrian refugees. Um, but I would like to take the gospel in a big way with a worship team, maybe SEU worship team, into a prison and hold a conference for inmates. Wow, in that would be a powerful. Yeah. Powerful. We didn't have that when I was in prison. I would love to see that. Well, Nadine, what I've appreciated about this interview, and thank you for taking time. Absolutely. But uh, your story in particular is, you know, as I reflect and, and hear you, this, this idea that we don't have to be bound to our background. Uh, God calls all of us, uh, has a destiny for all of us. Mm -hmm. and, and what I think our listeners need to recognize is that we have to take the initiative to step out, as you said, mm -hmm. and grasp that divine purpose and mm -hmm. be the solution Amen. that God has called us to be. Mm -hmm. And you are a powerful voice in that way. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I also want to say thank you for um, your humility in your destiny. Uh, it's you wow. sense that, and 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 that is that is, I appreciate that in you so much. Thank so you. thank, thank you. you. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. And for more on uh, Nadine Raphael, you can visit uh, nadineraphael.com. Uh, is there is there any other place they can? Or yeah, is that um, social media at Nadine A Raphael. Okay, um, social media. All right, great. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. Today. Thank you for having me. Blessings. To connect with Kent, visit kentingle.com 
Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at Kent Ingle and on Facebook at Kent.ingle. Thanks for listening to Framework Leadership.